Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Time now for the nightcap. Who are you talking to right now? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ goes belly up. Disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. On WGR Sports Radio 550. An all-time great series, and one I have Joe DiBiase to thank for me watching. I'm not going to lie. I had never seen that show, Breaking Bad, before until I took this shift uh, maybe a year or so ago, working the nightcap with Joe DiBiase. He got me hooked on it because of this open, and I started watching it, and I was immediately hooked, and the seasons went by and by, night after night, and before I knew it, I was absolutely hooked. It is... Quite the franchise. I don't know if anybody who is a fan of it has gotten around to seeing El Camino yet. I definitely recommend that. And while we're on the topic of things for Jody Biasi, I have to thank for for getting on Breaking Bad. I also have him to thank for this shift. This is Kyle Powell. We are here for the nightcap until about 9 o'clock this Tuesday evening. I'm in for Jody Biasi, Sneaky Joe, as he is known on Twitter to most of you. Uh, he is out in Arizona enjoying a nice vacation. Still there after the Thanksgiving with his friends and family. And uh, we wish him the best, and he's going to be back here Thursday. But for now, it's me, and there is plenty to talk about this Tuesday evening. It is not just any other December 3rd Tuesday night. There's plenty, plenty, plenty to get to, and there's a lot to wrap your head about, he- head around. I mean, the Sabres. Sabres 2-0-2. They blow out the Devils last night 7-1 on home ice for the second time this year. The opening night 7-2 route. Five goals in that second period, five goals in the first period last night. And news breaks today that the Devils coach, John Hines, who's been there for four-plus seasons, has been canned as head coach of the team. Now, the Sabres can't take all the blame for that, but that team's in a lot of disarray. And the Sabres were, I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back because the Devils had a lot riding on this season bringing in guys like Nikita Gusev, the trade for Taylor Hall. He's been there a couple of years now. You've got two first overall picks in Nico Hishier from 2017, Jack Hughes, this previous draft, bringing in P.K. Subban, signing Wayne Simmons. The team had a lot riding on this year, and they were already sort of in a rebuild-type mode, and these were the moves in the offseason. They were the ones. What was the talk? It seemed like all offseason. It was the Rangers, it was the Devils, it was a couple other East Coast teams that 
if you can see my air quotes here as I'm on the radio, they won the offseason. And look how far that's gotten them. You know? They're here 26 games in. Interim head coach. The team looks like they are playing to get their coach fired last night. I happened to be there on a whim because, you know, Monday night, easy enough tickets to acquire, go watch a game. It's Founders Night. The Sabres turn 50, nice jerseys, and you get to see them play a bad team, and the Sabres did what they needed to do against that bad team. Five goals against Louis Domingue in one period, knock him out. He Bo Jackson's his his goalie stick as he, he comes off the ice after 20 minutes. Pomp and circumstance, everything. But, man, the Devils. John Hines out and... It brings some questions to the table to the Buffalo Sabres. Like, as we've talked about before, Taylor Hall. Now, I posed the question a little bit on Twitter just to see how people were feeling about the idea. And look, this news came down the wire less than three hours ago. It's raw. By the looks of it, too, it was news that was not meant to get out as early as it did. Because looking at some of the reactions from fans and analysts and commentators of the Devils and people who follow the team, it looked like it was something that was supposed to be made public later in the week. Because it was weird. News got out. There were some shifty reports that at least myself at the station was waiting to follow up on before we went any further to see if it was true. And the weirdest part was they're on the ice right about now. They are (laughs) in New Jersey, Prudential Arena at the Rock, hosting the Golden Knights, and their interim coach was thrust into a fire less than three hours ago on the heels of a 7-to-1 drubbing here in Buffalo where it looked like the team straight up quit on John Hines. So if there was ever a team, I don't want to say that you could take advantage of, but a team that was in as much disarray that might be looking to shake things up even more than they already did because, again, it's early. I get that. And I'm not here trying to pose that question saying that is my full-fledged thought. Taylor Hall or bust. But it was a question that I wanted to rap about. I'm here to rap with you guys for a couple of hours, at least for the first half of this show. I want to be predominantly hockey, talk about Taylor Hall, what it might cost, some interesting quotes he had talking positively about Ralph Kruger, too, because we've had access to those interviews, and he is a man who once played for Kruger. The one, the one coaching stint before the Sabres that Ralph Kruger had was in Edmonton in the lockout-shortened season of 2012-2013. 48 games, the team won 19 of them, but whether it be circumstance, timing, what have you, Taylor Hall was eight years younger at that point, 20, 21 years old, playing some of his best hockey, trying to inspire people and prove to them that he was a high draftee and he was worthy of that pick. 50 points he put up in 45 games playing under Ralph Kruger, 16 goals, 34 assists in the one time that... Kruger was his bench boss out on the West Coast. And uh, the Buffalo News' Lance Lasowski, Lacow- Lance sorry, as I butcher his name, he, uh, he had a story today 
he was able to talk briefly with Taylor Hall while he was in town. And nothing but kind words from Taylor Hall about Ralph Kruger. He said, and I'll paraphrase this, if and when I was a coach, said Taylor Hall, I'd want to model my coaching ideas and tendencies and morals and values around Ralph Kruger. And I think, honestly, that speaks volumes. It says a lot that Taylor Hall was willing to look past the previous struggles he had under Ralph Kruger, and it was only a season. Like I said, it was lockout shortened. It was less than 50 games he played for the man eight years ago. So that and whatever he sees outside from the outside end from New Jersey looking into Buffalo, and then the two games they've been here this season where there's been enough of an impression made from Ralph Kruger onto Taylor Hall that it sounds like he's willing and would like to potentially play under him again because he enjoys his styles. And, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's two years removed from winning the heart and bringing New Jersey nearly single-handedly to the playoffs. It's an interesting topic. I will, I will mention that. And, man, it would be, inter- it would be crazy, though, to see what it might cost, what the rumors might go around. And it's interesting, too, because you have to – Taylor Hall's a man that's been traded before. We know that. Infamously traded before. The problem that it was so infamously infamous and uh, Edmonton to New Jersey, the trade is one for one, you, it's kind of difficult to get a grasp on what it might cost you. You'd have to look elsewhere to similar players around the league when they were dealt around Taylor Hall's age at his peak of performance to see what Buffalo potentially might have to give up. And you look no further than his contract as well. Makes around $6 million as I pull up spot track here. He's going to be a sought-after free agent if he gets there in a pretty star-studded 2020 class. Yeah, $6 million he's due for the rest of the season, at least, the cap hit. And some might call that tolerable. Some might call that second line worthy. It's just a matter of do you have the word of mouth, I guess, or the the confidence that this isn't just a rental type trade. And I think that's the biggest part. The people were I got I got some feedback over the past hour. Oh, lots of good feedback. Lots of feedback. I appreciate all of it. Um, positive, negative, go for it pull back the throttle, and some are in the middle. Some are worried about the cost, and I understand that because Taylor Hall's a guy that isn't guaranteed to stay here for more than, at this point, 50 games. But with the disarray that New Jersey is going through and the potential panic that they may be thrust into with how this season has started after what the expectations were coming into the season – you just wonder what what the cost could be to bring a Taylor Hall to Buffalo or anywhere in the league, quite honestly. You know, you look at you look at their roster and they're it's it's interesting because you know, they win the offseason, but then you look at their roster last night, like if you if you were there in the game or at the game at the arena, opening night, they have a lot of top end talent much like Buffalo, much like a lot of teams in the league now. The salary cap era 
makes it very difficult to be strong, 1 through 12 in the forward group, 1 through 6 all the time on the D pairing, and and in goal, too. If you go big in goal, I mean, look no further than what the Toronto Maple Leafs have. They have so much money thrust into their forward defenseman and top-tier goaltender that they're forced to play Michael Hutchison and pray that they score seven goals. I mean, we were we saw that Friday night coming out of Thanksgiving. It's <laughs> There's some teams out there that just have to constantly be outscoring their defense and goaltending because sometimes there's just not enough money to pay the best players in the league and retain them. But anyway... Goaltending is an issue for New Jersey. Louis Domingue was in net last night. Five goals allowed on 15 shots in the first period. Mackenzie Blackwood came in and was serviceable. 15 saves, I believe, on 17 shots. Still allowed two goals. He was the one who started the home opener for the Sabres in the 7-2 route, and he just had to sit there and take all of that. And the other guy in the mix is Corey Schneider, who, if anybody recalls last year, went on nearly a 20-start streak where he didn't record a win. If I am remembering correctly, it at least reached 17 starts where he did not record a win. And things got so bad in New Jersey that earlier earlier this year, I believe last month, he was sent through waivers. So there's problems there. So is New Jersey in the market for a young, controllable goaltender? And if you look at Buffalo, what is that? That's Linus Allmark to a degree, more so Jonas Johansson in Cincinnati, and Uka Pekalukinen, which is something that I know a lot of people would be hesitant to do because this is not a controlled, under-contract player. He is elite, but are you giving up a prospect that you've been sitting on for years now to acquire a guy for your forward group, who has also been desperate for goal for goal scoring, save the first line, and not so much recently. Again, see, I'm I'm flying around here in a bunch of different ideas, and I'm sure you guys are too, and that's okay. I came into this nightcap without without an idea in place. I'm well, I had an idea in place, but I'm talking myself in and out of it. I think that's okay because there's a lot of ways you can think of this. You can and you can like it, you can hate it. There's many different ideas. Defense. It's P.K. Subban who struggled since coming to New Jersey. Damon Severson has been there forever. Andy Green, their captain. They're pretty thin on the blue line, too. And what do the Sabres have? About 12 NHL-ready defensemen. You're looking at Lawrence Pilot. You're looking at a guy like, I personally wouldn't be a fan of it, but like a Colin Miller, who's cost-controlled, making under $4 million, has term left on his deal. You didn't pay a lot to get him. Will the Devils be interested in a guy like him? Will Borgen, another right-handed shot. The forward group, you know, is anybody comfortable with, like, a Casey Middlestat going to New Jersey for a Taylor Hall? Is it a Tage Thompson? I mean, he's he's going to be out for a while with the injury that he suffered a couple of Sundays ago in Chicago. But I think if, I think if New Jersey was – if Buffalo was to approach New Jersey and talk about Taylor Hall, I feel like the discussion would be more on the defensive group and the goaltending that Buffalo has – more than anything else, because the Sabres' injuries right now are more in the forward group, hence why we've seen a lot of 11-7 and seven games where we have cycles and rotations and whatnot, because Rochester's dealing with a lot of injuries right now, too. And then there's always the picks, the draft picks. New Jersey, 
as I pull it up here, too, I did notice this. They own their first round draft pick this year, which at the rate they're going is going to be very sought after. So they're going to be glad they have that. But they don't have another first round. They have a first round pick in 2021 and 2022, but they are thin in the secondary round. They don't have a second round pick until 2022. They don't have a third this year. They could be tantalized into some middle secondary picks, another first. Potentially, there's there, there, there's there's a market out there to potentially make this trade, and it's interesting, the machinations. And it's not every day you see uh, an MVP or a former MVP in the rumor mills and getting dealt. But the thing that makes it so interesting about Buffalo being in the mix, at least, is because of the kind words and strong words and passionate words that Taylor Hall said no more than – 24 hours ago about the coach that has been in Buffalo for less than 30 games. And I think that speaks a lot of volumes. So there's a lot to digest here. And I think this has all been expedited and sped up because of the news that at least to my eyes was not supposed to be made out today to the public and it was leaked. And now all of a sudden there's a new bench boss in New Jersey and i Tell you what, I would not want to be in that arena tonight. It's going to have to be, you could probably hear multiple pins drop because that's just a position you never want to be in. And they find somebody that leaked that, it's going to be ugly. But now the rumors are going to be swirling even more than they were before. So with all that in mind, I'm going to take my first break here. We'll come back. We'll probably wrap about this a little bit more. I have a couple of playback things I want to talk about too. From the earlier today, One Bills Live had a lot of good guests. There was Joe Ferguson, Judy Batista, a lot of good discussion. And then, obviously, with that, we have the Bills we can get to a little bit later on, too, because they have potentially their biggest game of the season after their previously biggest game of the season last Thursday in Dallas because they keep getting bigger and bigger the deeper you get into a season like this. 9-3, and three, Baltimore coming to town, Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen, the run game that Baltimore possesses, the speed under center they have, the speed and Mobility that Buffalo has. Defense versus defense. Not a lot of points allowed by these defenses all year. It's going to be, it could shape up to be a stingy day in New Era Field. And we'll talk about that more in the nightcap. This is Kyle Powell on WGR. And phone numbers again, 716-803-0550. Toll free, 888-552-550. You can hit us up, obviously, on Twitter here on WGR. Olofsson couldn't get a stick on it. There's a Another coach killed by the Buffalo Sabres. This time it wasn't theirs. Ha, ha, ha. Totally kidding. That was Henry Yokiharu's power play blast last night inside Key Bank Center to make it 7-1 in the second period. It was against Mackenzie Blackwood on the Sabres power play, their only power play tack of the night. And for those counting at home, the last goal in the John Hines era in New Jersey. So congratulations. Henry Hokiharu, you hold a pretty noble statistic. For anyone there, the place was rocking last night. Definitely, definitely a fun atmosphere. And yeah, now their best winger could be on the market. Let's go to the phones. 
503 probably going to lead probably going to lead off with Jonathan Nalden here and then go to a lot of Twitter reaction too because we've had a lot of feedback like I said positive negative good bad indifferent what have you not on Twitter but Jonathan what's up man hey Kyle uh thanks for the show um part of me really wants um, Taylor Hall he's he's really the player type of player the Buffalo Sabres really need right now however I'm a little worried because the Sabres have a lot of money tied up in the wing especially in Jeff Skinner so I I, I want to see the Sabres dump some salary um before they make a trade for him um I, I'm open to trading anyone except Michael, Reinhardt, Dahl, and a Skinner, but I'm a little worried about the salary cap, especially with the Skinner, um, Skinner trade. But over, but I would like Taylor Hall. So if, if Bile can make it work, I hope he pulls the trigger. Yeah, it's definitely tough in the salary cap era, Jonathan, as I keep you here for a little couple of minutes. What's your ideal trade then? You know you're going to have to have money out because the, the Devils aren't as close to the cap ceiling as we are, but um, they're going to have to take something back ideally. And we're going to have to give something to them, so it seems like more of an even trade-off. I mean, and picks, players, what have you, future assets. What's your ideal trade to get Taylor Hall to Buffalo? I, I want some way to move R- Rasmus Ristolainen. I know we've been we've been calling for Ristolainen to be moved during the off season, and I, I really don't know if the Devils will take Ristolainen for Hall straight up. But I really would like to get some way to trade Ristolainen. Which it might which have been a, do, 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 do you think the Sabres could possibly get Ristolainen off for Tall or? It's interesting. I don't think it would be another straight up because I don't think Taylor Hall can go through his career twice being traded straight up for defensemen. But um, Ristolainen is an interesting thought. Um, my stance on him has changed slightly the last few games based off his usage. I think, and re- echo me if you'd like, I think he's looked a little bit better since his ice time has been cut down. He's been around the 19-20 minute mark uh, as the team has started to play a little better. And last night he skated for just 17 minutes and Two of those came shorthanded. He, of the defensemen that played on the power play, had the third least. I believe Henry Yoki Haru, quarterback power play one. Colin Miller had the second most with power play two. Has your stance changed? Are you much? Are you still as much of a Ristolainen? I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to call you a Ristolainen hater. But there's some people talking poorly about Ristolainen for a couple of years now, especially the summer. Has that? Has your stance softened since he's played a little bit better these last few games? It's softened a little bit, but I'm, I still don't know about him. We're about 500 games in. Although the more I think about it, I don't know if we should trade Ristolainen for. Um, not the more I think about it now, I don't think we should trade Ristolainen for Hall because we'd be so heavy on the uh, wingers. And as you, as Ristolainen is player on the Ristolainen is playing better on defense, so it, 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 it's kind of hard to see what players I on this team I would trade for Hall. I mean. But I'm softening on Ristolainen a little bit, but I can't always. But I'm still kind of a hater on him. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thanks for the call. Appreciate you shouting us out every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good. It's 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 an interesting thought. There's a lot. Of, like I said, the first segment. There's a lot of different ways you can go about making your dream scenario trades. Two weeks ago, if this if this scenario had played out with the Devils two weeks ago. And Rissalainen was still playing 24, 25 minutes, bearing the brunt on the on in the defensive end. I think a lot of people would call for him being the one to center a piece around or to center a trade around. And I don't know, at least from from my perspective, I I've, I've been liking his game recently. I think he saw he settled finally into a role, not so much a, a second pairing guy, because you know there's a lot of different outcomes and. And 
scenarios in games where you kind of plug in. I don't want to say you plug and play. Guys definitely have roles. But there's situations on the ice where there's so much, a little more talent around Ristolainen with guys like Brandon Montour and Colin Miller when he's playing, which thankfully last night he did because I'm a huge fan of his. His puck possession numbers and everything else have been very good in his time in Vegas and then here in Buffalo too. It's definitely taken a lot of pressure off of Rasmus Ristolainen. And I think that's been good for his game, and it showed recently. And, you know, there's a lot of different options on the blue line. There's a guy. There's guys in Rochester, like I said, young. Young, controllable talent is going to be the name of a trade like this because New Jersey, as I mentioned, had high expectations. And they were, do you think they'd go on a route of a rebuild while almost finishing a rebuild and jump right back into it and try and do it on the fly? Much like... Um, you know, the Rangers are kind of through going through that again. Shipping off Matt Zuccarello last trade deadline. Shedding some cap. JT Miller going to Vancouver. They've said goodbye to Derek Stepan over the last few years. He's out in Arizona. Guys from the core of that team were sent out, whether it be free agency or trades, because the team knew to become actually relevant again and not first and second round exit type team. They really need to hit a reset button, not in an extreme, but do enough where they can shed enough money where they can go out and be aggressive on the free agent market and have a chance at a guy like Capo Caco, second overall last offseason, and then pair that guy with, as I mentioned, freeing some money up and being shark, being absolute sharks, for lack of a better term, in the free agent market and acquiring the biggest fish out there in Artemi Panarin to play in Madison Square Garden. So, again, there's a lot of different ways to go about this, and I think it's just super interesting. And, you know, you go back to the Sabres decor and whatnot, and there's a lot of different ways you can go about this. But I've been rambling for a little while. <laughs> and I want to go back and play a couple of things here to get us to break. I uh, I want to hear some sound from the post game from the locker room last night that you guys may not have heard if you didn't hear the Sabres post game show after the 7-1 win. I want to get to a couple of guys in Johan Larson, Rasmus Asplund and Ralph Kruger to get us close to the top of the hour. Rasmus Rasmus Asplund scored the fifth goal in the first period in the 7-1 win. It was his first in the NHL after about 8 games. It was a snipe. He found some free ice and ripped it top left corner over Louis Domingue, that left-handed glove. And then Johan Larson made some history last night, which may have gone a little bit under the radar as he became one of only four Buffalo skaters since the 1989-1990 season to rack up at least three assists in the first period of a game. Johan Larson. I want to repeat this again. Johan Larson has joined Pierre Turgeon, Jason Pominville, and Jack Eichel as the four skaters in the last 30 years of Sabres hockey to get three assists in the first period of any game. So with that, I want to go to Johan Larson from last night and hear him with Paul Hamilton in the locker room. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Johanna, it goes without saying you guys went out and just played the way you want to play. Uh, what, what got you on, the t- on your toes early? I think, you know, the first goal um, got us going a little bit, you know, got the building a little going, and then it's rolled on from there. Jeff Skinner has talked about you playing center, and he goes, with the way you play, it's a simple game, but he yeah. said it's it's been getting him opportunities. He's been getting a lot of opportunities to score. What what has made that line click since it's been put together? I don't know. I'm just trying to play my style, you know, simple, uh, work hard. Uh, I know their guys are good with the puck, and Skinny's, you know, uh, got a you know, nose for the net, so he's trying to you know, create space and be there for them. Have you seen that that you that he is getting a lot more opportunities since you guys have gotten together? I don't know. He you know he likes to shoot it and he's a shooter and uh, I'm just trying to be there for him and uh, trying to tell him to play his, his style. How big a factor is you guys all being tenacious in the forecheck playing into your success? Yeah, it's you know helps. I think we're all like you know trying to get in there and work hard and we're kind of fast and and uh, you know small guys <laughs> to handle down there so your game has always been a defensive game is it nice to be adding to the offense now and be getting some points yeah i mean i got lucky a couple there but like you know it's nice to get them there get a little confidence uh, i've been feeling you know lately it's uh i've been having to puck a little more on my stick and felt a little more comfortable reminds me a little when you were with felino and gianta and things just kind of work when you guys were with the, yeah, together right? sometimes it's clicking and sometimes it's not and you know uh, i'm trying you know work hard every period Remember the last time you had three points in a period? No, that's a long time ago. I <laughs> uh, can't remember. You guys are 3-1-2 and two now in your last, what is that, six? I have to do quick math here. In your last six games, uh, what overall do you feel has gone better since you guys have gotten better and starting to get some results? Uh, I think, you know, start from our D zone. We're trying to be, you know, connected there and work hard. And from there we, we go on. And I think, you know, Last games, uh, even if we haven't got the result, uh, I think we, we've been on our toes and we played pretty solid. So uh, we're just trying to stay positive. That feed of the offense, I know in camp, Ralph said you guys might have to give up a little bit of your offense in order to play the way defensively he wanted you to. You think the offense is starting to come now that you guys have that defensive zone sort of locked yeah. down a little bit better? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we, we talked about it, and I think uh, it's been better and better. You can always work on it, but it, it's been better, and I think that, like, kind of shows up with the puck more on your stick and get a little more opportunities. That was Johan Larson, and now we go quickly to the man of the hour from last night, the man who got on the score sheet for the first time in the goal category in the National Hockey League, Rasmus Asplund. Well, we had a conversation this morning saying that goal's going to come pretty soon, uh, and it came tonight. Tell me about it. Yeah, it was a really nice pass by Mitzi there, uh, and I just tried to, to get it as hard as I could on the net, and it went in, so it was uh, it's a great feeling. What was it like? I mean, when you when it finally went in for you? Yeah, it's a big relief, of course. Like I, I think I've been like playing really good the last couple of games, and I'm creating a lot of chances. So uh, I knew I was close, and I got it today. So it's a great feeling. Your parents were in town. Were they? Are they still in town? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're gonna stay until Tuesday. So oh, tomorrow. So it was my my last chance to score with them on the on the stands here too. So obviously it's a special night for us. 
Do you think it was emotional for them? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like uh, this is a big like we're living in a dream right now. I don't think it really none of us have realized how how big this is and like how much work we put into to get to this point. But uh, yeah, for sure, it's a big night for us. What works so well for you as a team in the first period? Uh, we talked about come out hard and play play our game, and I think we really did. And what I think we really did we did good was like when we we start a couple goals there, we just stayed with the game plan and, and kept going, kept going, and we scored five in a period. And that's that's just show what character we have in this team. Has this gone by really fast? You've, this is your tenth game. Has this really gone by fast for you? Yeah, yeah. We play play every other day and back to backs here, so it's just all about like recover and prepare yourself for the next game. I feel like you guys were building toward this game. I mean, you guys were creating a lot, not finishing a lot, but you had a lot of shots and opportunities. Yeah, I think like we've been out out chance uh, the opponents for five or six games in a row here now, and I think it just tipped over for us tonight. So uh, I think it's just a great uh, confidence boost for the whole group. I'll tell you what, that guy plays pretty hard, and there was nobody. As Paul Hamilton asked him in the locker room last night, it's already his tenth game in the NHL uh, since he got the call late last month, and I'll tell you what. There hasn't been a game or a shift that's gone by where that guy has taken time off while he's been on the ice. He has made the most of this opportunity. He's been hardworking. He's playing a lot of minutes on the penalty kill and taking nothing for granted in his first opportunity in the NHL. And I applaud him for his efforts last night. It was good to see him get rewarded. And hopefully it's the first of many because we talk about secondary scoring all the time. A guy that was a draft pick back in 2016 from a different regime gets a chance under different ownership, GM, coach. They had a lot of belief in him to bring him up when things got tough in the forward group, and he is not disappointed. And uh, now we head to the coach, Ralph Kruger. Here he is with Paul in post game from last night after the 7-1 victory. The last six games before this really uh, had, been, had been games of good habits, and a lot of the offense that we were starting to create uh, hadn't, hadn't really functioned that well with the, with the goals, and I thought you know we had a deserved first period. It's kind of like... Just the fruit of the labor over the week before almost seemed to pay off, and uh, yeah, we were hot, and it was, you know, I thought they did a did a good job of managing it, uh, with, you know, with five nothing. We haven't been in that position before, and uh, Linus did a good job too. But it was uh, it was nice to see the guys explode. Nice to see Asplund get his first goal. Good to see Shiri get a couple. Yoki on the power play, you know, some just a lot of good things happening today that we can build on. You said in camp and early this season that this. This group would have to sacrifice some offense in order to play the type of defensive game you wanted. Yeah. Do you think that this, the, the offense over the past week, the chances, is that yeah. a result of them finally having the defensive tools yeah. that you wanted them to have? You know, we, we the language within the room is we, we really feel like we're, we've settled into a game that's pretty consistent without the puck, and that's what all the hard work was about, is making sure that we understand what we need to do defensively to be strong as a team and give ourselves a chance every night. And now it looks like habits are starting to show up versus always having to process every single step during a game. It's happening more naturally now, and that does definitely free you up than on the offensive side. So hopefully you know, we can continue to build on, on this feeling that we have right now. Yeah, I mean, just the the eleven forwards in general. Uh, that line has uh, has has had an interesting mix. You know, Larson brings a, a defensive stability there, but uh, again, Shiri and Skinner also doing what they need to do as wingers in our in our principles. But uh, you know, the the lineup has just been feeling feeling good of late. It's been consistent. The lineup we've been able to keep the bodies in, and uh, you know, we'll be getting some bodies back now, and there'll be some changes, but. Uh, 
this group really, really has, um, there's a bit of a pack feeling in there right now, which is good. Rasmus got his first goal in front of his parents. It yeah. seemed like he was building toward it. How, just how happy are you? I mean, what that does is show the good work that Chris Taylor and his staff are doing in Rochester. He spent a year down there working in, in, uh, in, within certain principles and concepts that, he, that you need to have to get into the National Hockey League. And whether it's Victor Olofsson or now Rasmus Asplund, it's nice to see people come through the system, especially coming from Europe, making the adjustment, learning the principles and it's it's a it's a wonderful thing for him to score, but he's done some strong penalty killing here of late. He's you know he he can move within the game. You can see me, you know we've got him going on the wing and in center and back and the left side, right side, and the, you know every shift he just goes out and steps right into that role. And uh, you know he's he's a he's an exciting player for us to have in our roster, and uh, he's got a big future. Uh, turning 22 this week, uh, you know he's still a long way to go. There it is, head coach Ralph Kruger after the 7-1 win yesterday. We're going to take a break here, come back. It'll lead us almost to the top of the hour, and then we're going to go pretty Bill-centric, but not so much from me because there's been a lot of talk from Shope and the Bulldog and other shows today on their thoughts on Bill's Ravens and whatnot. I'll leave that to them. There's a couple of stats I may pencil in there and some things I want to key in on for Sunday's matchup with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. For the most part, there was a lot of good audio today from One Bills Live. They had um, former Bills quarterback Joe Ferguson on. We're going to hear from him. Um, Judy Batista from NFL NFL Network. And uh, Kyle Brandt, who was an interesting interview around the 1 o'clock hour today with from Good Morning Football. He was the man who not only said... The Buffalo Bills were going to shock the nation and beat the Dallas Cowboys on national TV on Thanksgiving Day. He didn't just he didn't he didn't just say it to say it. He predicted it and guaranteed it. He was brought on, and uh, we're going to hear that again from uh, from One Bills Live. He was on with Murph and Tasker earlier today. But before that, a break. Top of the hour. Quick update here. We got some hockey scores to update. There's been plenty of action since the seven o'clock hour. Some games are dropping the pucks in about 15 minutes, and it's all here on the Nightcap with Kyle Pal here on WGR. Yeah, it was good to get it out of the way early tonight. Although I've been struggling to score, I think I've been doing a lot of good things, and our lines had some chemistry, so it was only a matter of time, and I got some puck luck tonight. Quick in and out here is it is already 7.57. Went a little long hearing audio from the locker room last night. But I wanted to get a shout-out and some love for Connor Sheary. That guy broke out in a pretty big way last night, I'd say. His fourth and fifth goals of the season. And uh, it's been some tough times for the 27-year-old forward, formerly of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's had some good moments since coming to Buffalo. But it was uh, it was tough sledding there for about two months for him. I mean, you go, you go in there and he has a homecoming to Pittsburgh to start the season off in the season opener, not the home opener. When they went to Pittsburgh, won 3-1. Connor Sheary had two of the goals. And then another one three games later in Los Angeles for his third goal of the season in four games. Pair that one assist. He was a point-per-game player, 4-4. Four and four. But then you got to go, that's October 17th. Then you go all the way to December 2nd. And two goals against New Jersey, there's nothing in between. October 17th to December 2nd. We talk about the struggles for secondary scoring sometime that the Sabres went through and have gone through this season. Connor Sheary was one of those guys that bore a lot of the brunt of those issues for the lines that fell under Olofsson, Jack Eichel, and Sam Reinhardt, or Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt, in late-game scenarios. 
The struggles were real. That is a month and a half, almost two months of no scoring from Connor Sheary and Tidbit. His first three goals of the came, first three goals of the season came on the road. Those were his first two tallies inside Key Bank Center. So anybody there? That was exciting. But when we come back, as I mentioned, we'll get a quick update here, hockey scores, what have you. And then uh, we're going to do the role of playback here because I know it's a Tuesday. People are at work. I don't know if anybody tuned into One Bills Live. We're going to get a lot of playback from theirs because I was here and enjoyed a lot of the interviews that they had on today. We'll go Kyle Brandt and Joe Ferguson when we come back. Joe Ferguson, really good quarterback back in the 70s and 80s. And then Judy Batista to round out the show. And anything at that, we'll go last call and what have you. But this is the Nightcap with Kyle Pal. You're on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 